submitted themselves to the will of God and God says wherever I find that submission at that altar there I will pour out of my spirit God's not doing it because of fancy preaching or fancy singing or fancy saints God's doing it because we together as a body have said God we're hungry to see our family and our sons and daughters our community our area we're hungry to see them saved and God has responded back I hear and sense says, I'm going to lose this. 
this or that. When it comes to God's economy and you and I giving him everything that we got in his economy, you have nothing to lose in God's economy. Lift your hands one more time. Ask God to talk to us. I thank you for your presence that's in this house tonight. God, help our minds to be clear and let us receive the word of God tonight with a hungry heart and an expectation in that heart. We pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. David, the warrior that he was, has now come to a very unique place in his Walk with God. David, who did such a magnificent supernatural work with Goliath, when no one else would stand to the plate and trust God for an impossibility, the young David came to the forefront with only trust in God, not five stones. That's what he had naturally. But he had a trust in God before he ever had those five stones. And that young man stood to the challenge and said, Who is it that defieth the Lord thy God? The armies of Israel had a charge in his spirit that he knew nothing could stop what God had put in him. So you have him with such faith and trust and determination and and such a zeal for the things of God and the purpose of God and the kingdom of God. But quickly thereafter, Saul changes. And jealousy now comes into Saul's heart. And he begins to chase David, knowing the threat that David is to the kingdom that Saul held by his own ability. Not because God was there. God forsook him after the second year in power. God departed. That was done with Saul. Because of Saul's unwillingness to trust God. And, and more, he was more willing to appeal to the carnal nature of the people. Instead of hear from the voice of God. You and I need to thank God every day that we've got men of God in our life that are willing to look at the obstacles and the voice of humanity and say, God, what do you say? What do you want me to do? And whatever God declares to you and I, that's what we're going to do. It's been only for several days. I'll come back maybe if the Lord would allow me to. But it's the thought... The most valuable thing you and I could ever have or possess. It's not cars. It's not money. It's not a claim. It's not opulence. It's not popularity. It's not the things that the world says makes you a success. The one thing that's more valuable than any of that is your ability to hear the voice of God in a dark hour. Because when everything's going chaotic, Brother Charlie... You call somebody to find out what's going on. I've done it, Brother Charlie, 
I've called him and said, hey, pastor, what's going on? Give me a little bit of insight. I'm trying to find it. And something's challenged me in the last few hours, the last few days, Brother Charlie, that I've got to somehow find a place in God. That, Lord, I'm not saying I don't need my pastor. What I'm saying is I want to be able to hear the voice of God when I don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn and the phones are broken and I can't get through to who I need to get through to. I can always get through to God and get a word from God David on the run from Saul now watch this picture he's running for his life the great David killing Goliath and he does good for a good while but now the constant taunts of Saul has wore him down. The constant taunts of the enemy has wore down David. Oh, I felt my help just move in. The taunts of Saul has come to you young girls, to you young men, to you young couples, to some of you elders. Saul has wore you out telling you I'm going to destroy you. You've lived for God for so many years and you've tried to do right and your last days are going to be spent alone. Your kids are not going to live for God. Your grandkids are not going to live for God. Remember what I said a while ago? A man of God that can hear the voice. I've heard it, Brother Charlie. You're going to see some grandkids living for God. You're going to see some sons and daughters living for God. It's the great end time outpouring that we're all believing God for. Saul that is war. Brother Kenny, I'm so glad to see y'all in the house of God. She had open heart surgery and here she is tonight. Quadruple. She had a triple bypass. Two. And God did a work and said, I'm just going to do two. See, God's doing works left and right in our midst. Saul now wearing on old David. Is there anybody other than this preacher? Had Brother Fontenot, I've been in places where my mind has been so worn down to the point that I don't know, should I turn to the left? Should I turn to the right? Where, where should I turn at this particular moment? And David, we see in the first part of this chapter, David does what most of us would do. He goes to Abimelech, the high priest. He goes to the house of God, the man of God. He turns where he knows his help is. And when he gets to the house of God, Abimelech scared himself, trying to figure out, David, are you by yourself? What's going on? What are you doing? Saul's after you. And if he finds out you're with me, he's going to... The fear was on the church. And what are we facing now like never before? Fear that comes to the church. 
that even the church house and the people in the church, men of God all over, that doesn't make us devils. Just make, we're just flesh, just like you. And we're looking at this going, okay, God, what am I going to do next? What's the next step for our country? What's the next step for our nation? What's going to happen to our home? What's going to happen to our churches? What's going to happen to our camp meeting? Are we still going to have them in five years? Or is that going to even be taken away? And we're looking at these things and fear... He's bombarding the minds of the people of God. And here's the difference. It's kind of like David. David was just wore out. And when you're wore out, you can't fight like you used to fight. When you're just tired and weary and frustrated, Brother Mark and Tell. It don't come as easy as it used to come. That prayer don't come as easy as it used to come, Micah. That prayer don't come, Sister Peggy, like it used to come. When I first got the Holy Ghost, man, I'm charged. I was a little bit younger then. And man, I just run and just... worship and our praise unto him we have nothing to lose in our prayer let me encourage somebody right now if you've never prayed but five minutes a day I encourage you now's the time you have nothing to lose give God everything you got because you and I are on the verge of one of the greatest outpourings of God's spirit like we have never seen before we're seeing it in our church but it's not just happening here it's happening all over North America because Jesus is coming back soon come at 2 o'clock in the morning brother Keith when you're by yourself and your spouse is asleep and you're not going to wake anybody in the house and that old war is going to come back in your mind brother Fontenot and fear is going to come and say oh God I, I, I don't God I want to trust you but I don't know if I can this is where David's at am I painting it clear enough Turns to the only thing, says, give me a sword or spear, anything. He said, all I got is Goliath's sword. David said, I'll take that. Here's what it said, Brother Charlie. He was desperate. So Goliath's sword was as big as David. He couldn't wield it like Goliath wielded that sword. It wasn't even the weapon of choice. But when you're desperate, you take whatever you can get as a weapon to fight the war of fear that's 
coming against your family and coming against your mind and coming against your kids. Come on, somebody. That old spirit of death's come to some of you saying your kids are going to die. Your mama's going to die. Your daddy's going to die. Somebody need to declare in this night, I have nothing to lose. God is for me. For he has not given me the spirit of fear, but of might, power, and of a sound mind. Saul that fear hath tormented me. There ain't nothing more tormenting than fear. You know, I like to fight a lot of things, but fear when it comes around. That's why the writer had to pin, for fear hath tormented me. Perfect peace to them whose mind is stayed on him. Because the enemy understands his weapon of choice is one of the most effective things he's got against the people of God. But God has even greater weapons and greater things that he can counteract it. And it all it takes for you and I is to realize if I got God, I got everything I need. If I got the church, I got everything I need. If I got a fellow brother and sister and God in us, I've got everything I need. I've got nothing to lose. said he has nothing to lose meaning that he gonna come out of that corner brother Langley he gonna bite off your ear he gonna bite off your nose he gonna gouge out your eyes he has nothing to lose so he ain't all about trying to be politically correct he ain't trying to be dignified he ain't trying to be all put together he ain't trying to let everybody know hey I got my world together he's a desperate man that's dying and he has nothing to lose he'll come out of that corner and fight whatever it is that's coming against his family and his home. We got in the church and we got all dignified. We got all. I don't want no hair. For some of us that have a little bit, it don't really matter for us. But for y'all that got good hair, it ain't going over there. <laughs> you ain't got none. We got all, we don't want nobody to know in the church because if they do, they're going to gossip about it. I hate that spirit. I hate it almost as much. Don't make me get on Aunt Betty and them party lines. I hate it because what we're doing is we're not giving people the liberty to be expressive 
in their relationship with God. That's why it's not good you know everybody's business. I know it's Indian Village, but you hear me. If it's Lake Charles, Zimbabwe, Pocahontas, I don't care where it is. I don't want to know everybody's business, and you don't need to know everybody's business. Because if I do that, I'm going to be weighed down with things I don't need to understand. What I need to know is this. I'm going to pray for my brother. I'm going to pray for my... Without the details, I'm going to pray for them. I want God to bless them. I don't want to know the details. I just want God's blessing on our church, on our family, on our kids, on our home, whatever it takes. And David, he leaves with Goliath's sword, Brother Dale. And watch where he goes, Brother Kenny. I love this story. Probably one of my favorites because I found myself. He didn't call nobody. He goes to the house of Akish. Akish was a Philistine. The same people David beat a long time ago. When you're in fear, you make decisions that are not rational. And we're living under a canopy of fear. And, we're, and here's what I'm trying to preach to our church here tonight. You need to hang on. Don't do nothing irrational. Don't, if we're going to get crazy, let's get crazy in church and worship and praise. If we're going to get out of our pew and do something kind of just kind of out of the ordinary, let's do it in the house of God and get out of our pew and raise our hands. Shout to God with everything that we have. And David goes to a kiss. Pull that scripture up for me. Verse 10 or 14, wherever it was. And when he shows up to the enemy's house, I'm thinking, what are you doing, David? But you see, fear drove him to doing something he knew he shouldn't. Fear is not in my driver's seat. Fear don't need to be in your driver's seat. What determines my decision for my family and for this church is not going to be governed by fear. It's going to be governed by the voice of God and the word of God. And if you and I will hold to those biblical truths that we know, I stand here tonight and decree and declare with every fiber in my body, Sister Agnes, God will help his people. God will build us. God will see sons and daughters born into the kingdom. God will deliver people from the alcohol addiction that's running rampant. God will set people free from the drug addiction that's rampant. You go back and ask many of them, they'll go back to the source and they'll say it was a fear of rejection, a fear of this, a fear of that. Fear drove them. To their addictions. He shows up in the house. See now this is what makes it so unique. David at the end of his rope. At the end. He's about to be transferred into the kingdom. Chapter 30 in 2 Samuel verse chapter 1-2. David's fixing to be ushered into the kingdom. A few short years later. He's at the end of this proverbial 
he shows up, go back. When he shows up in the house and gets down, the men of the house are astounded. Back, one more. Back, another one. In the service, he kisses, not David. One more. And David arose. Here it is. Say, well, where'd you pull the fear thing? There it is. David was afraid, not Goliath, not the people. One man saw. And many times in your life, Chloe, you're not going to be afraid of all these things. It will be one thing that is just magnified beyond measure. That really is never true. But the enemy blows it up because he's trying to get you to be fearful. My mom and dad will never live. My mom, my family, this will be my friends, my fear of rejection or fear of being ostracized or fear sack of being thrown out and being alone that's everybody David runs because of fear of one man here's the thing Zach you don't know probably maybe all the story here it is David at two times could have cut Saul's head off he was more of a warrior than Saul And said, touch not thine anointing. Next verse. He goes to Achish. And the servants of Kish said, is not he the David, the king of the land? They sang and danced. Now here's the kicker. David's in fear, Sister Becky. And the enemy is too. Come on, folks, my voice is shot. I ain't shouting or screaming with you. I need you to preach with me. The enemy is just as much afraid of you. The same fear is the center of his life. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of your worship. He's afraid of you stepping on top of that pew and saying, God, I believe in you. I have nothing to lose, so I'm going to give you my best. My marriage was on the rocks, but I made it through. That's your testimony. Is there anybody here that your kids were going down the wrong road and God got a hold to them and moved them back? That's your testimony. You need to remind yourself, if God helped me then, then God's going to help me now. If God brought me through then, then God's going to bring me through now. And he's not going to let me go. Benoit ever really realizes his potential. So 
So he keeps us in fear and lockdown. See, the enemy already knows not what our destiny is, but he gets an inkling of a clue by your worship and praise and what God pours out upon you and what you're going to do and where you're going. See, you think the enemy's in charge? The enemy ain't in charge of your marriage, your kids, and your family. As long as there's breath in the body of a husband of God, a woman of God, and a family of God, the enemy cannot come into your family. He can't take your babies without God's permission. And you and I need to worship and praise God and declare God is for me. God's not going to send the harm my way But God will protect me Next verse And David laid these words up Here's what David's doing Sister Peggy Now there's a war in David Y'all hear me This is the key to the whole message David now Brother Kenny is, 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 He's reflecting back I beat Goliath I've conquered this thus far. And these words, see, they were saying, David's killed his thousands, his tens of thousands. It's reminding David of what his purpose was. You see it? And now David's in the midst of a kiss and the enemy, and they're going to kill him. They're going to destroy him. And David's reminded by their own chant. See, the enemy's really stupid. Because what he meant for harm, trying to rally the Akis troops together and say, this is David, the tens of thousand killer, really was turned on him. Let me remind somebody, it rains on the just and the unjust. And if I stay in the race, God has a way of taking the report of the enemy and turning it for your good. I don't care what the enemy said. God is the final say. enemy meant for harm. That's why I love that song. What the enemy meant for harm, they were going to rally together and kill him. It did nothing more than wake something up in David. Let me tell somebody here today, the struggles and the trials and the problems that you and I face are not sent to destroy you. They're sent to wake you up. God ain't trying to kill you. God loves you. God cares about you. And he cares about your family. But God's more interested in allowing a trial to come to wake us up and realize we are the church and we are anointed with a purpose from God to fulfill the kingdom of God. And it woke up in David. telling you, there's fixing to be a waking up of some backsliders. I thank you for all five. See, you're the ones that's going to see your sons and daughters because you responded. See, we got to respond to the. I'm telling you, there's fixing to be a waking up to the backsliders that are coming to our church. God just did it for Kyle. God's doing it for others. God's going to do it for, and it's all based upon rejoice with those that rejoice. Study that out. Since Joe, he was hurting. 
kind of like I preached this morning. People are hurting. They're struggling. Next verse. And he changed his behavior. Now watch. When you study out, I want to go back to that verse right there. It's verse 21 and 13. I'm going to go back to it here in a minute. But Acts chapter 4, 17 talks about the opposition that came against the apostles. Men rose up and said, don't you do this no more. Don't preach this anymore. And what you need to understand, the last part of that is the doors of the gate. It's all significant. When you take the word gate, in the, Brother Keith, even in the temple, it, it works hand in hand with the threshold of that gate. The word threshold comes from two Hebrew words. One is kalhain or something. I can't pronounce it right. But it means to snatch away. And the other word is mithetan. It's where we get the word, or they derives another word, python. It's where we get the word python. Two words make up the threshold. Something that's going to snatch away and something that's going to suffocate. So right before you get your breakthrough, you're going to face two spirits, Sister Gail. One, the word of God's going to be sown, and that enemy's going to come and try to snatch it away before you can say, I believe that. Now go back to why I preach and teach. There's got to be an affirmation from the pew to the word of God because you better say it quicker because if not, the enemy's going to snatch it away before it can take root and grow. Somebody better hear me in the Holy Ghost. Say, oh me, oh my, oh yes, oh yes, something. Because that seed is being sown right now. And just as quick as it is, there's a snatching that says, I can't. Why? Because if that seed hits the right soil at the right time and he realizes his purpose in God, hell is in trouble. I'm going to say it again. Hell and the enemy's in trouble. If you and I, if the seed hits the soil at the right time, hell's in trouble. So he's going to do everything in his power. How do I stop him from snatching it? You respond. Yes, I believe that. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I believe that. Ezekiel talked about Ezekiel 37 where it talks about he breathed on the bones the wind of the prophetic two things brother Michelle. fear is coming against the body and the enemy is trying to shut down the prophetic I'm not talking about prophetic where somebody comes in and tells you what you ate for breakfast that ain't prophetic that's entertainment Prophetic is this, a man of God that can see what's coming down the road to protect the people of God and the kingdom of God can be enlarged. That's prophetic. That's the kind of prophetic I'm referring to tonight. And the enemy's doing everything in his power to shut down that prophetic ability from a man of God to see down the road to prepare the flock of God and the church of God. And he operates by fear in the church and he operates by distractions to the man of God. Everything under the 
the sun trying to come against my mind, trying to distract my mind from this and that, and then just, just, just stuff. You say, well, buck up, Benoit. Well, when you're giving it everything you got, there's sometimes I'm just wore out, Sister Becky. And I got a down day or two. Ain't that right? But he's trying to shut down that prophetic voice. And he's trying to come with fear to the church and tell you it will never happen. And it's a lie. You say, well, what in the world? Thresholds and all this kind of stuff. What's it got to do? David was wore out and fearful, Sister Debbie. But he came to a threshold that tried to snatch away the promises of God to him, that tried to choke out the prophetic word of Samuel that said, you will be king. (laughs) Brother Charlie, and David's now faced with a decision. Do I let the prophetic word that God gave me that my destiny is tied to, do I just lay down and die and let these boys? Here's what we do. Well, I guess it's just the will of God. If God gave you a promise, then you're going to have to fight for that promise. It ain't, the enemy ain't going to give him up easy. He ain't going to give up that son and daughter easy. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you better war for that prophecy. Because if you don't war for it, it ain't never going to happen. You say, Benoit, what are you talking about? That's what I'm doing right now in preaching. That's what I do. And that's what you do in our prayer. We're warring for the promises of the backslidden sons and daughters to come home. prophetic do I let it go the promises that God gave me and then on this side here he's dealing with a snatching away and he's in a war and here's what he did he changed his behavior you say well wow Benoit that's really great what does that mean I'm glad you asked that word changed behavior comes from a Hebrew It's where we derive, Sister April, the word mind. It's where we get the mindset, taste. And God is trying to get the church to change our diet. Because we got a flavor. Come on, let's let's just be real. I love a good ribeye and some good shrimp. And you throw a Raymond noodle in me. Oh, my Jesus, help me. I only eat it if I got to eat it. I want some beef. See, my diet is that's what I want. But it ain't always correlated with what God wants. And in order for you to cross the threshold and fulfill the promise and the prophecies that God has for you, Kara, there's got to be a change of taste. 
This is where Psalms, I ain't got time to qualify that. I go home, read. Psalms 34, Psalms 56, the whole chapter, read it. Psalms 34 was David in the problem. Psalms 56 was God bringing him out of the problem. Does anybody remember when David said, oh, taste and see? Oh, taste and see? What was David saying? He wasn't referring to some fried shrimp. He wasn't referring to a ribeye. He was referring to the day. He changed his behavior when he had nothing to lose. God, one way or another, is going to put the church, not to hurt it, not to beat it, not to, to, to harm it. That's not it. But he allows us to go through these seasons of fear and circumstances that we don't understand to bring us to a threshold that we have to make a decision, Brother Fontenot. I'm going to change my taste for the things. What does all that mean, taste? His ability to discriminate was gone. Y'all with me? I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about discrimination. I can't determine if this is it or this. When you lose your taste, come on, COVID people, you lose your taste. I can't tell if the ice cream's Blue Bell or if it's Hagen Dogs. I'll reel some of you in one way or the other. And for the record, Blue Bell ain't as good as Hagen Dogs. And there we go. Woo! I got, I'm telling you, I'm going to get a response one way or the other. Thank you, Sister Claudia. I'll preach on that. The ability not to describe. In other words, I cannot tell. But here's what he's saying. You can put me in any situation now. This is David. You can put me anywhere. You can put me in any adverse situation. I can walk in any valley, Sister Debbie, and I can't discriminate anymore. All I know is this one thing. Taste and see because God is good. It don't matter what you put in front of me. It don't matter the valley. It don't matter the trial. It don't matter how hard life is. God is good every time. Every time. trying to move the church to a non-discriminatory position. Folks, I've said this, so I'm okay. okay. What's next? A tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake. Where's my phone? I'm going to go grab my phone real fast. It's in the office. Just grab it real fast. What's going to be next? What's what's coming next? COVID-3? Pandemic 10? But Sister June, if I learn right there, change my behavior, change my taste. In other words, I'm not going to look at a kiss. I'm not looking at fear from Saul anymore. I'm going to put my eye on him and I'm going to trust him that God's going to save my family. God's going to save my home. God's going to save my children. Alaska, 
Canada, Hawaii, Alaska, Yosemite Valley, California, Japan, Hawaii, 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 Indonesia, Alaska, California, Hawaii, uh, Chile, Hawaii, California, Mexico, New Mexico, Hawaii, Alaska, Haiti. It ain't here today, but yesterday, Texas, I saw Alabama on this one. And you didn't hear one word from the news about earthquakes. Do we remember the story and earthquakes before the coming of the Lord in diverse places? But see, the news don't want to tell you about the earthquakes because it'll make the church wake up and re- that's why God's curing us of this fear and this spirit of fear that's loose on the church right now. Because when the media starts pumping it out and saying, whoa, tornadoes, whoa, a nuclear holocaust, whoa, the pandemic, whoa, the church can sit back and say, but God is good. God is going to bring me through. God is going to help me. I mean, Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. You don't hear nothing about it. Nowhere. Just like the coming of the Lord. He's going to come, Brother Smith, and take us in the coming of the night. I asked somebody here tonight, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? You better get ready. We're going to start hearing it from our pulpits more like we've never heard it before. And if you ain't hearing it from the pulpit you're listening to, you better find a pulpit that's preaching about the coming of the Lord to get you and I ready. closes with this. Now brethren beseech you mark them which cause the vision off. In other words those people that are gospel quit it off and contrary to the doctrine if they're not preaching repentance in Jesus name baptism and Holy Ghost infilling and a separated life separate yourself from them. It's a distraction and it's going to breed fear. Next verse. Here it is. For they serve our not Lord but they serve their belly. It's the same word brother Mike for palate appetite he said they serve their own belly because of their fear they know how to come to a pulpit elder and say whatever you want to hear to keep you on the pew to keep them tithes coming because if them tithes don't come the church don't keep moving you hear me God will Next verse, and we're going home. Next verse. For your obedience has come. Here it is. That word obedience comes from a word called hopos, hypostasis. It means coming under what you hear. He said, here's the antidote. When you hear the word of God, you got to come under it and obey it. And if you will, the good things, you ain't going to be worried about the evil. Last verse, and I'm done of God shall lose the enemy. How do you think? Whoa! Is there anybody fighting an enemy of fear? Fighting an enemy of doubt? Fighting an enemy of worry and depression? God says if you don't govern the things by your appetite but just be indiscriminatory and say God is good regardless of what I go through. God Boy, your enemy. Oh, I wish I had a megaphone for this message. 
sons and daughters that are bound, God's fixing to put them under his feet. And he's going to resurrect some backslidden sons. He's going to resurrect some backslidden daughters. Come on, mom and daddy. Step out of that pew right now. If you believe the word of God, come under and pray.